The education Dr. Burton has provided has been amazing and eye-opening. I always felt like there was a piece missing to what I was doing in my practice and learning to interpret blood work was it. Thanks for being willing to share your knowledge and tips and tricks to help us practitioners better help our clients. Val. Brittany says, thank you, Dr. Kylie, for sharing your wealth of knowledge. I took a leap of faith when I bought the Mastering Bloodwork four-hour workshop, and I'm so grateful I did. You have totally transformed my practice. I love listening to your podcast and all you share on lab work, mindset, and business building. Thanks again. All right, it's your turn. Come join me on the next Master Bloodwork live event. It is virtual, so doesn't matter where you live. It is happening on September 13th from 1 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We do two two-hour sessions with a 30-minute gap in between. Then the Q&A will be happening on September 14th. Get all the details and join at drkylieburton.com slash masterclass. I'll see you September 13th. If that date doesn't work for you, well, guess what? The final 90-day program of the year begins October 4th. Get all the details and join us at drkylieburton.com slash 90-day-program. That will be the final time to run that or join us in that program until March of next year. So let's get your end of year locked and loaded, prepared for 2023. Who knows what can happen to you? I've seen it happen for so many others. What can it do to your practice when you go virtual, when you scale virtually, and when you read blood work the way I've taught you? All right, I'll see you September 13th or October 4th. Let's get started. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. We have a special treat for you practitioners today. Janessa is here to teach us how we can use our personality to improve our services and make more money by making more impact. So Janessa, welcome on. Thanks for having me. Now tell us a little bit about your background. My expertise is in energy psychology, mindset work, and the blood labs, of course, just like you learning so much from you. There's so much that can be done when we are not throwing the dart at the dartboard. And the same is true for mindset and personality. Yeah. And I've never really cared so much about personality, but more hanging out with you with our group calls inside the 90 day program and the mastermind that we've been doing. It It's a part of us that we should pay attention to. And on this episode, you're going to teach us how we can use our personality to, again, have more impact by creating our services around our personality. So take it over. Yeah, the person, our personality is essentially default programming downloaded into us, and it's very predictable. In fact, when I speak with people with the Enneagram, that's the specific personality structure typing system that I'm the biggest fan of, and I will share all the reasons why in just a bit. But when I talk to people about that system, simply from recognizing what their type is from the things that they're saying, the way they say them, and what they express to me, a lot of people actually are like, oh, that's freaky. Are you psychic? (laughs) Well, (laughs) we're just that predictable as human beings, actually. And so there's so, so, so much benefit to knowing our own personality types so that we can see where our blind spots are and how we can capitalize on them, as well as understanding other people's personality structure to know what their blind spots are and how we can come alongside them and assist them in the work that we're doing because we can identify without them expressing or maybe they haven't even identified those weaknesses themselves or know that that's an underlying cause of some of the ailments and illnesses they're struggling from. And we're able to support them in a much better way. So Enneagram was new to me until I met you. And you were just telling me what type of Enneagrams I I am. For someone who's never heard of this before, where can they learn what type of Enneagram they are? Well, there's a couple different options. And I'm super biased about the best way to find out what your Enneotype is, but you can go online. There's lots of free typing 
systems online that you can take the test. But there's a couple faults in that. And one of them is that if you only see your good qualities and characteristics, you're going to mistype yourself. So how aware are you of your personality and your traits to begin with is going to skew your results. And then I also firmly believe from the work I do and what I've studied, this is really our spiritual personality type. And so that spiritual information is stored on the soul. And how well does our soul and our brain communicate? For some people, really well. For other people, kind of detached from it. And so with using muscle testing and other means, aside from consciously and cognitively, how do we see ourselves? We can get really accurate information um, about our personality from that unconscious mind, from our spiritual body and being. And so I dissuade people from using those online uh, assessments because oftentimes it can cause far more confusion than clarity. And if anyone is interested in going through the free workshop to identify themselves, there's the information in the show notes that they can jump in there. Yeah, so meaning Janessa will help you discover what yours is on the free workshop. Be careful with the ones that you're going to find online. That's what we're getting down to. So once they know their personality, then what? Well, once they know what their default programming is, as I like to refer to it, because the truly the Enneagram tells us how we get patterned within our thinking, feeling, and behavior. And it draws so much awareness to ourselves. It outlines the places that are strengths within ourselves and our personality, and it outlines the areas where we're going to falter and struggle. And the reason why I really, really, really prefer the Enneagram over other personality typing systems I've worked with, such as DISC or Myers-Briggs, is that it's growth-oriented. It allows a path for us to really refine ourselves and be able to access the, the good characteristics or within the Enneagram language, they call it the high, the high traits of each personality type. So we don't have to get stuck in those ruts of where our weaknesses and, you know, what I would call within myself, my faults, which is very much personality driven as well. Um, but where those weaknesses are, it's much easier to step out of those. So where to begin? I feel as though the place to begin is just to walk through each of the enneotypes and the ways that they can benefit from that information and use it within their practice. So without getting too far into a complete lesson about the Enneagram, I do want to share briefly that the Enneagram is made up of nine different personality types or filters, as I like to say. And each person within those nine types see the world in a very, very different and unique way with different motivators and different fears. And it's really about identifying the motivators and fears for those of you who are interested in trying to identify your type um, on your own. It's much more important for you to focus on the fears and the motivators than it is the behaviors. So there are different behaviors will exude. For instance, being a list maker, perhaps you make a list of the things you need to do for the day. Well, there are three different personality types that all do that very regularly, but they do it for different reasons. They have different motivators. So it's not the behavior that's going to really help you dial in where you center. It is the motivators and the fears. So just a pro tip for the do-it-yourself peeps out there who want to no more right away. Yeah, which is why you're like, no, don't go run into the online quizzes. Because there's one thing to say, yes, I do this thing. But there's another to say, why? Why do I do this thing? And that's really what gets you to the right Enneagram number. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there is nothing more important or pivotal, actually, to get you to the right Enneagram number. And yes, those Assessments online are all very, very behavior focused. So also within the Enneagram, each of the nine 
types are broken down into three different categories. So we are equipped with three different intelligence centers within our being. Of course, our head, our logical, rational brain, the heart center for us to be able to feel and process emotions, and then our gut for instinct and intuition. And so I'm going to start today going through with the heart-centered points, which fall on the two, three, and four of the Enneagram, if, if anyone looks at the actual diagram. Now, our heart-centered points, of a course, focused on feeling. They're the feeling center, and so they're going to be very focused on emotions. And the underlying energy of all of the heart points is shame. So when you're uh, hearing a lot of language around shame from your clients or from loved ones around you, you're going to know that they are a heart center or the people who feel and they get very consumed by how they feel before they can step into a rational place of solution. You're also dealing with a heart centered point. So for those of you who do fall within the heart-centered space, an important thing to ask yourself as you are going through your daily tasks, your work, working with clients, is what is logical? Because the hardest center of intelligence to access is that rational thinking brain. And there's some reasons for that I won't go into because it gets even deeper into understanding and interpreting the Enneagram, but just know that it is common for the heart-centered points to have to check in and ask themselves, what is logical? What would be the logical thing to do? So I'm going to start with the two. The two is the helper within the Enneagram. Is that most of us as practitioners, we like to be helpers? Uh, Actually, I don't think so. I think that we're all spread out um, amongst the the Enneagram, but it would seem intuitive though, that we would all be helpers. Um, the helpers are driven to care for other people before they care for themselves. So that's one aspect that's going to play into what you're doing within your practice, because we know that when we show up for ourselves first and practice that self-care, we're able to deliver a better product to the people we're working with. Um, So make sure that you're setting some time aside. And if you are truly a two, that suggestion will make you twitch a little bit. I realize that, but we all need it. (laughs) That's why I'm like, oh, that's me. I will take care of everybody else. I will spend money on everybody else, but I won't take care of myself. Like I want to do eyelashes and I want to do my nails and I need my haircut. (laughs) Have I done any of it? Nope. Yeah, at the core of the two, the twos need to be needed in order to feel loved. So again, going back to the behaviors of, is that a behavior I do versus the fears and motivators? A lot of us get caught in number two still. The twos need to feel needed in order to gain love. That's not me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I agree (laughs) from outside observation. (laughs) Um, so yeah those twos are going to put themselves last and they're going to offer help to everyone this can really lead to you feeling depleted in a lot of ways and not able to show up the best version of you in your practice the other thing about the twos is they can have a tendency to people please or be too nice um We can see how when we're working with patients or clients, if we're just wanting to people please, we may not really be guiding them in the best way that they need if we're hesitating. Now you can kind of sense from my language and my energy that I fall pretty close to the two and I sometimes fall into this as well. Like I want to be perceived as nice. I care what people think about me. This is all very relevant and true of the two, and to really show up for people and guide them on the healing journey that they need. Sometimes we need to have a lot of compassion and sheer honesty with the tools and techniques 
and research and information that really truly works for them. Even if it's something that they may not want to hear, we have to show up in that space of compassion, but honesty and not be concerned about how is that going to be perceived or received? Are they going to like me? And are they going to be pleased with me if I do that? So moving on to the Enneagram 3. Our Enneagram 3s are the achievers. They are a lot of our very successful singers and athletes out there. Um, they feel loved and valued when they're doing. So they have to achieve in order to receive love. So they are human doers also. They're very focused on the lists. They'll make the list so that they can make sure that they've achieved enough to feel worthy and deserving at the end of the day. So their worth and value, their approval and acceptance all depends upon success and accomplishment. Uh, this can throw a wrench into people's practices when they are consumed with achieving and doing versus maybe allowing more time to have really quality. So are you working toward quality of achievement or quantity of achievement? So watch yourself in that trap because that can have a huge impact on the results that your clients get. For the threes, they're also innately competitive in nature. And so collaboration and referrals may be a challenge for them. And the more um, expertise we hold and stay in our lane, the better results we can get for people. The threes will more naturally look at other people doing something similar to them as competition and they may not want to collaborate as much, that may be a challenge for them. So that's an area where you can really maximize your um, results with clients because when clients have a team of people working with them, they just get results faster. And it's really less of a burden as a practitioner to not take all of that on your shoulders either and be the one sole guide for them to get the results that they desire. And the other way that threes can really benefit themselves in their practice is getting real, just getting real with themselves and other people. The one thing about the three is that they tend to wear a mask and they don't feel super comfortable to allow people to see the real true them until they're at home at night alone, literally alone. And so they will project the image that they think people will want to see versus just being themselves. And the thing that resonates with us most in our, in our culture, in our interactions is authenticity. So get comfortable being you. Be authentic to who you are. Own the gifts that you have. Rock those gifts like no other. And don't worry about what you don't have. Collaborate. Allow people to walk alongside you. And um, that is where you are going to find the most success within your practice. Yeah, Janessa, I'm just thinking here, I don't even know if I'm a three, but I would be feel loved and valued by doing this. Not, so, not necessarily me. I'm just more of a high achiever. But when we, when we talk about getting real and figuring out what it is that I want, I mean, and you can probably testify this too. So many times in this field of expertise that we're in, we see somebody else's success and we think, what do they have that I don't? Why do they have success and I don't? Or I want what they have. And I used to fall culprit to that all the time. Like I could see this one individual and he would text me and we'd communicate and it would always be like, I want what he has. He's so good at it. And then I think back to when it flipped for me and I realized I, I don't want what he has. Because he's working 80 hours a week. I want to have what I want. And I'm going to mold my lifestyle around it. Well, he's, yes, got the money. But two, doesn't have the time with his family that I do. So it's just this realization that don't look at somebody and see what they have and want it. Look at what you have and what you want and then create it. 
And when you figure out what that is for you and each individual person, that's when it comes easy. That is where the magic happens for sure. Yes. Certainly something that you taught me too. And I'm not in the Enneagram three either. That principle for sure applies to all of us out there. The um, getting real principle of the Enneagram three is really for those. And if you're not in Enneagram three, it's hard to relate to it. So this will speak to, you'll know, like if you're listening, you'll know it's that mass. It's what you want to project. So seeing what someone else has and then projecting that image of what you think you need to be to that person so that they like and resonate with you. And it doesn't work that way. Like you just need to be you and the people that you are meant to serve are going to find you. You're going to attract it. Yep. 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 (laughs) So moving on to our Enneagram fours, they are the individualists and Depending upon the research you look at, other types will also call them are hopeless or tragic, romantics. They are incredibly um, emotional and heart-centered and intuitive even as well, even though they don't fall within that gut point. Our Enneagram 4s out there will be so in tune to the energy around them or the people around them or whatever that is to you that they will know what other people are thinking or feeling before that person who's feeling it is in tune to it themselves. It's incredible. And if you're an Enneagram 4, this is your superpower. And please turn it on and turn it up when you're working with people because it will serve you well. Um, Enneagram 4s also idealize what others have that they don't. So sometimes they focus on the lack kind of like Kylie's story that she just shared too with wanting what she saw with someone else, but getting so caught in that, that it's hard for them to stay in their own lane of what they do have or focusing on what they do have so they can continue to optimize that. So getting out of that lack mindset and into the abundance mindset and that growth mindset. You know, there was another moment in time where you know, I'm flipping through Facebook and I'm seeing this ad. This ad comes through and it's all about the brain. I don't even remember which doctor it was, um, but he does brain like that is his thing. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should add that in. And I had like 50 CE credits, which I was like, okay, I'll check the box off and get my CE credits. I texted um, a, a colleague and I said, what do you think about this? And he literally said to me, stay in your own lane. And then I was like, okay, I'll say my own life. Like it gave me permission to say no to something that's really good and can work really well for somebody else, but it's not my lane to be in. And for so many times as practitioners, we think about like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. And we're grasping for all these leaves dangling from the trees. And yet we're not focusing on just what we are really, really good at and fine tuning those skills. We just become okay at a lot of skills. And, and I think that's a an in spot in this Enneagram 4 where, one, you can use it as a superpower, but two, be careful about it. Yeah, a lot of things within our personality structure can be a double-edged sword. If we're aware and we leverage it to our advantage, we're going to improve ourselves because of it. If we stay closed off to it, unaware, naive, unwilling to do a little personal growth work, then it can be a detriment to us. So with so many things in life, (laughs) it's what we do with it. We can get better. We can get better. You know, you have a choice, especially once you're aware and you know knowledge is power. Another place where Enneagram 4s can improve their practice is making sure that they have creative outlets. The Enneagram 4s are the most creative personality types within the Enneagram. And so if they are just reviewing case after case after case and doing very dry, mundane tasks, it's going to tank their energy levels drastically. And they're going to feel like they are not able to have the expression, authentic expression of themselves, which is this really creative energy. So make sure you have creative um, outlets, whether that's the creation of your content or 
you know, however you interweave that into your day. Some Enneagram fours, I, I coach and recommend color, draw a picture, like on your 15 minute breaks or whatever, tap into that creativity and use it in other ways to get your energy levels back up. So when you go back to the mundane tasks, you're refreshed and you really feel like you're in your element doing the parts. I mean, let's be honest, all parts of our business have places where we struggle with or they're not our zone of genius. And so we have to utilize our strengths to get through those other parts that are a little more challenging for us to do. And that's a great way that the Enneagrams can, Enneagram fours can do that. And then the last place where Enneagram fours can really hone in and focus on their personality strengths to use it as a strength is that they can be withdrawn. They also come across a little more moody than the other Enneagram types because of the emotions that they process and are in tuned to. And sometimes they can also seem uncooperative. And so when you're feeling some of that arise as an Enneagram 4, know that emotions pass. If emotions truly are energy and motion, have some tools and techniques at your disposal to quickly transform that, that emotion into something more positive than staying in frustration or, or lack or anger or whatever emotion is coming in that's lower vibrational. You can move yourself up in that scale, even using your thoughts because our thoughts create our emotion and keep yourself in that higher place of vibration where things are going to flow and be easier and natural for you. So the next center in the Enneagram that we're going to get into are our points five, six, and seven, and they are our head points. So these are the points that naturally default to our rational, logical brain that will think and reason through everything, including trying to either not even acknowledge negative emotions or try to process their emotions through their head as well, which is not what the brain is designed to do. Uh, so they are our thinking focus type and their underlying energy is fear. So also within the head types are our personality types who are always preparing for every possible situation that could arise so that they're never caught off guard by anything. And they have, you know, plans A, B, C, all the way to L, lots of contingency plans. I'm like, like this is my husband and this is my husband. Exactly. Always rational. Hates it when I make emotional decisions. And as soon as like we're thinking about something, well, he he's automatically going to jump to like the worst case scenario. So it just protects him for the, the major what if the fear. And I can think of a lot of other, particularly men, even though this isn't a, a men's type personality, but the ones I know are definitely the rational thinkers and definitely fear decision makers. So for our head points, an important thing to ask yourself is, what do I feel? Drop into your heart center and access that intelligence of the heart center so that not everything is going to be discerned or solved within the brain and the thinking. Open yourself to having that guidance from your heart. You would be shocked <laughs> at what you will find there. So let's start with the Enneagram 5, which is our investigator. They are very intellectual and cerebral, and they want to understand very complex concepts. They want to know everything. If you have a client who comes in and has researched practically all of the anatomy, how things work, what might be going wrong, the supplements, every ingredient, where they come from, everything about the company. I'm like, do, do people really have this much time on their hands? Yes, they are going to know everything. And you're likely dealing with an Enneagram 5, if not a head point. All of the head points have a little bit of that in them. But the Enneagram 5 is the most intellectual researching. I want to know all of the things thing of the Enneagram. As a practitioner, that can be a double-edged sword because you can spend a lot of time researching all of the things which may cause other parts of your practice to be neglected, but also breaking it down 
another gift Kylie has given me, breaking it down to that fifth grade level. When you want to know these really concept, complex concepts and master them and then share them with your patients, you're going to lose them. So make sure that even though you're understanding these super complex things, you are speaking at a level where you can really meet and partner with the people you're working with so you don't lose them. So I think it's more than just like patient care too, because I I literally had somebody message me after one of the workshops I hosted for everybody. Um, and they wanted to know more about the science of everything. And I said, I said, that's great. I can teach you the science, but we'll be here for like 20 days. That's why I don't get into it on the workshops. And I've had people message me about the book. Well, I wanted more of the science. That's great. But you also need a doctorate degree to get it in some instances. Like I can't just teach you everything that I learned in school inside a book or on a workshop. You're just going to have to take my word and my experience from it, my expertise. And so when when patients come to us and they say, well, I want to know, for example, literally I got a Facebook message today from um, somebody who had ordered some supplements and they were like, well, I research everything. So this is the number five type personality. And did you know that systemic formulas was in a lawsuit over lead in their products? And I, knowing the instance of where she's coming from, I literally messaged her back and I said, good old politics in California. That's all you need to know. And she's like, Okay, I'm satisfied with that. I'm already feeling different on the products. But again, one of these investigator type people where it didn't take me dumping my energy trying to scramble and figure out what she's talking about. If they want to investigate, let them investigate. They can find anything they want on Google. But that doesn't mean we as practitioners have to take on that energy, take on that um, to-do list. So just give them a snippet that I literally, I don't even know any more than that. And she was satisfied with it. But don't drain ourselves because someone else is a number five and they want to know every freaking thing there is. And in that scenario, use your resources and ask the question on Systemic Formula's Facebook page. There's somebody who's going to know the answer. Don't waste your time digging to try to satisfy your number five patient. Yeah, and from the patient standpoint as well, they have done all of the research. They have all of this knowledge. They're still having symptoms. So breaking it down into those, all of the biochem, all of the everything with, for them, with them, is not going to get them the result. Keep it result-focused for you, for them, yes. and it will make your life much easier. Yeah, don't, don't get in. I used to do report of findings, and I would walk them through like this five-page thing about the science and what's happening and why we're doing it. And then... then once I got past that phase and realized they don't care about anything but the results. As long as I can get them results, they're satisfied with it. It's just changing our aspect of how we, how we present. Yes. So back in the shoes of the practitioner as an Enneagram 5, a couple other challenges you may have is being detached from feelings. Because we're in our heads so much. You could have a really challenging time having empathy for your clients or expressing it, feeling it, expressing it, and therefore it may be a challenge for your clients or patients to really feel like they're heard. So you will want to develop some of your communication skills around expressing empathy so that you can really quickly build that rapport with your client and let them know that you are there for them, you're hearing what they're saying, it must really be challenging and difficult those things that we need to express in order for our clients and patients to know that we're in their corner and we're truly invested in them. And then the other aspect of the Enneagram 5 is a tendency to isolate. The Enneagram 5 is the most socially reserved of all of the personality structures. So they also, along that line of rapport, struggle to truly connect in with others, build relationships, and all of that's really important to have that connection with your clients so your, your clients have faith in you. So moving along to the Enneagram 6, the Enneagram 6 is called the loyalist. 
because they are super loyal. Enneagram sixes, however, are going to stumble a little bit because of doubt and lack of trust. And that can make you seem standoffish to clients because you're going to question, 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 question. And sometimes it can be done to the extreme where, you know, the client or patient might not think that you trust them or believe them. And so really keep your questions focused on the information that you need to know to be able to serve them. And don't worry about, are they really telling me all this stuff? I I'm feeling doubt towards them or I don't trust. Just get the information that you need to know, symptom, blood work wise, et cetera, to be able to get the results that they need and let the rest fall where it will. Uh, the Enneagram 6 is also the most pessimistic of all of the personality types. So they will struggle with being able to see the optimism within any situation. And so that, that pessimism can drive the thoughts of this case is going to be hard, business is hard, marketing is hard, everything's hard, or just a negative viewpoint of a lot of things within your practice. So catch yourself with that and pay attention to that and keep your thoughts positive because it'll make everything that you're doing easier. And that comes with either refining that programming that you have been given or working to train your brain on your own of when you catch a negative thought, think a couple of positive and turn it around or reframe. Um, but no one really enjoys working with a pessimistic person. So you don't want to be dumping that onto your clients because uh, they're not going to feel faith or the hope that they need, that they have solutions. And we want, we want for people to feel that positivity so that they have faith in themselves and that hope that they're going to get the results they want. And the last aspect of the Enneagram 6 is actually a fear of success. This personality type will run a fear of success. I know that might sound so odd, but the Enneagram sixes will feel as though I've reached one, you know, rung of success on the ladder. Now I have to get to the next one and the next one and the next one. And they feel internal pressure with that. And so they can really underachieve simply due to that oh my gosh, I have, to, I have to take it to the next level and I'm not sure if I can, where the doubt <laughs> and the lack of self-trust to get there starts kicking in and they can really get caught in that cycle. Uh, another area of underachievement for the Enneagram sixes is analysis paralysis. So they will analyze everything to a point where they can't make a decision and they'll get caught up in a trend of underachievement because they get stuck with not, taking action or making a decision or moving forward. So then we move to our Enneagram sevens, which are our adventurers or our eternal optimists. Some people also refer to them as Peter Pans. They never want to grow up. They are so fun. Enneagram sevens are a blast to be around. Um, they also have a thousand ideas, a million, zillion, kajillion ideas all of the time coming in. They are incredible outside the box thinkers. If you are an Enneagram 7, this might trip you up in business though, because you're always on to the next best idea and getting to that completion energy with any of the things you start can be a huge challenge. So you're going to want to watch yourself with, are you starting things and taking them to um, enough maturity and growth and investment to see uh, success within that idea? Or are you running with an idea to the 10 yard line and then jumping onto the next idea and you're never taking anything far enough down the field, if you want to use the sports analogy, to score your touchdown? So while I don't want to tell you not to tune in to all of those ideas, because it is one of your like superhero strengths, superpowers, be diligent about which ideas are really going to move you forward. And then 
when you embrace them, stay with them long enough to get results on your investment. You said I was a two and a seven, right? Like a combined two and seven? Um, I think you're a seven. I think I'm a seven over a two. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of ideas and I try my best to figure out which ones are the right ones to run with. There's a couple other things about the seven. So when you talk about the core motivators and fears, sevens want what they want when they want it. So I don't know if that speaks to you, but they really... <laughs> I want it because I want it and I don't need to justify That's it. That's right. That's how an Enneagram seven rolls. Uh, That's me. So Enneagram sevens, because they want what they want when they want it, they'll feel very limited by a nine to five job. Enneagram sevens don't like limitation of any kind. They don't want to be put in a box. Their fear is, yes, thank you, Kylie. Thank you for affirming my assessment. That makes me so <laughs> um, They don't want to have scarcity or miss out on any possibilities. And so a nine to five feels like being put in a box. Their structure, it's limiting and they don't like it. But what our clients like is consistency and they want to know that whoever they are investing in to help get them these results are going to be there they're going to be reliable they're going to show up so monitor balance that need for lack of limitation to ensure that you are being reliable for your clients it's very possible to do especially with managing expectations Letting people know maybe you're just going to check your email once a day or whatever type of communications you're using, but then stick to that, whatever it is. Like I check my emails at 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. or whatever, so you will hear from me by that point in the day and then follow through. Um, Don't limit yourself that you have to respond to everything all the time, be over available, you know, but set some parameters that you know that you can meet that aren't going to make you feel like you're stifling your flexibility. I've been better at that. I've I've been better at setting my parameters. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes it makes things easier in the by setting my parameters, I've like avoided social media for like a month and a half now. I just got burnt out. Just got fright of it. And I keep telling myself, okay, I'm gonna start on Monday. I'm gonna start on Monday and I keep having Mondays that come past and I don't start. It's okay. I'll get back to it. It is okay. Yeah. There's other ways to build. And I think that's really, really valuable. I'm going to sidebar since you brought this up because for a super long time, I felt like social media was a waste of my energy and I never had any success or progress with it. Maybe two people would like my thing. If you choose to do something, make sure your mindset and your energy aligns with it. Because when I got out of my own way of thinking, this is a waste of my time, and I started thinking of it as opportunity, my events started having 350 people interested in it. So if you're not aligned with it, don't force yourself to do it. I actually support what you're doing. If you need a break, you need a break. Because if you are in that space where it's a chore and it's work and it's, it's not going to work for you. It won't work for you. It's that simple. Mindset's important. Really important. So I'll get back to it when I feel like it. But as of right now, I love podcasting. So I'm just going to put all my effort into the podcast. There you have it. There's multiple ways of doing business. There's no right or wrong. Do what works for you. And what works for you is going to be different from person to person. And at different stages too. Absolutely. Like you might... TikTok worked great for me six months ago, five months ago, four months ago. Now I just can't even bear the thought of pulling my TikTok app up. And that's okay. It is okay. I'll get back to it eventually, but I'm not in a rush. And this is also a great example of the Enneagram 7 because they like diversity. And so you're getting a different taste, a different focus. You're getting that change of pace that gets you outside of that limitation of having to do the same thing day in, day out, that gets mundane. Enneagram sevens don't thrive in that space. That's okay. Use it all when you want. Okay. I'll just say it's my personality. That's right. 
And then the last thing about Enneagram 7s that I mentioned a little bit in the intro is their optimism. They are very optimistic people. Sometimes it's unbalanced. Sometimes they're so optimistic that things are going to go so well. It's just not realistic. But really... Come on, Vanessa. Nothing negative can happen to me in my life. (laughs) I get so mad with negativity, too. I'm just like, no, flip it into a positive. Why on earth would somebody want to sue me? That's just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, my friends, is textbook Enneagram 7. It's all dumb <laughs> and stupid. If you talk to any Enneagram 7 who doesn't believe in something or something someone does, it's because it's dumb and stupid. Spoken like the true Enneagram 7. I love it. And this is what makes me psychic. <laughs> <laughs> So you hit the nail on the head with my final point is negative vibes. They drag Enneagram 7s down. They don't want to be around it. They don't want to deal with it. So if you have really negative clients, it's going to challenge you. You're going to have to work to help switch their mindset, give them a different paradigm through which to see the world, or simply point out to them that, hey, part of your physical health is all of this negative thinking and low, you know, negative emotions, those types of things. And you may need some support in that. And then you can refer it out so you don't have to deal with it. That may serve you best as an Enneagram 7. Whatever works for you is great. But instead of just walking away from those people, you have some options. So explore what aligns best for you. I'm going to need options because I'm married to one. And and the negativity, like he's so protective that it drives me crazy because it's so negative in my world. But then if I look back and if I say, okay, if he's a, you know, my he notes, like a if six. he's a five. Is he a five or a six? Because the negativity, the pessimism sounds, and the security, things not being safe, that sounds six-ish, but I mean, you know I'm better than okay, I do. six-ish. So. so if he's a six and I'm a seven, we're like on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. And so with him, like with him and the kids, everything's negative. With me and the kids, everything is positive. And just drives me crazy. But that's me being a pure optimist where nothing ever bad is going to ever happen to me. Not even, you know, I don't need contracts, even though I have a contract, I've never even used it. Um, Where he is, you know, you contract everything and you protect yourself with everything. Just total opposite sides of the spectrum. But now I get it. It's opposites attract as they say we all have our strengths and weaknesses and somehow we seem to be attracted to those who fill those gaps for us for me personally as an enneagram one i attract so many enneagram sevens into my life it is crazy my mom my significant other my business partner one of my closest friends my mentor (laughs) Like, I feel like I need to have an application. Surrounded by all of us. Yeah. Are you an Enneagram 7? (laughs) If I need something in my life, I must recruit Enneagram 7s because they, I'm inflexible. They're flexible. Like, they fill in those cracks for me and they pull me out of my ruts that I get into. So, naturally, opposites attract. You and Andrew should balance each other very well. We do most of the time. We fight sometimes. We fight, and always the fights are about my business and protecting my business. That's the fight every single time. Why would I need to do that? And he's like, why would you not need to do that? Yep, story of my life. Thank you for caring about me, honey. I appreciate your concern. (laughs) All right, Janessa, I know we've been talking about the personality traits from a, a practitioner to patient type scenario. But you do a lot with relationships too. Just as I was talking about my husband and I, like understanding where you are with your significant other and what they are can help a lot with the relationship as well. Yeah, relationships are clutch to everything. It's a key to everything in life, whether it's business success, interpersonal success, success within your household, within your families. Things changed for me dynamically in my life from just the conscious understanding. And for anyone who knows me, you know that I think conscious understanding is really about 5% of our human experience. So it's very little. So when I say that there's something that consciously 
dynamically impacted my life, it's very notable because that's usually one of the least important aspects <laughs> of things that I value. It's not in the conscious space. <clears throat> so knowing the system, understanding it is going to improve all of your relationships. You no longer force your perspective of the world onto other people and you can really see where other people are coming from. You step into their shoes. You can show appreciation for that. You can meet them where they are. And you can agree to disagree on things that you know are simply not how they're designed to be. It's nothing personal. They're just not built that way. And neither are you. So why stay in this place of discord when you're never going to change the other person's perspective? It's not going to happen. Agree to disagree and move forward. It's powerful. Yeah. That's why, like, I, I know counselors are very important and they do good things and I'm not going to diss them but I like mindset work so much better and understanding things like this. Cause a counselor can never sit down and say, Oh, well, this is why you are this way. And this is why you are this way. It's just, yeah. Cool stuff. Okay. Where do we find and learn more about you? Um, do we want to go through the gut centered points? Let's just take in this. Let's expand with these number what, two through seven spots. And uh, cause we're already at like 50 minutes. So you want to max this out, guys. You can already see how valuable this is, no matter what aspect you apply it to in your life. Go find Janessa. Janessa, where do we find you at? You can find me at www.fiercelyradiantsoul.com. Fiercelyradiantsoul.com. Uh, Instagram? Uh, Fiercely Radiant Soul. Fiercely underscore radiant underscore soul. All right. Go learn your personality. Don't just jump on some personality trait thing quiz online. Go join her on her next live and free workshop. And you'll be able to find that at her website, fiercelyradiant.com. Radiantsoul.com. Oh, yes. Fiercelyradiantsoul.com. All right, guys. Thanks, Janessa. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Now go out and change the world. This podcast is sponsored by my favorite supplement companies, Systemic Formulas and MyBiome. Come join me inside their private Facebook group for practitioners called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. Everyone else, join them on Systemic Formulas Instagram page. And remember, I'm going to see you September 13th at the Master Bloodwork Live event or October 4th at the final 90-day program of the year. All right, let's do this together. <laughs>